hey good people how we doing how we doing look there are just some people who have this innate ability to inspire joy and happiness and light with their presence and not only with their physical presence but with their voice today i have a conversation for you guys that is guaranteed to make you feel that joy guaranteed to make you feel that happiness guaranteed to inspire you fill you with enthusiasm fill you with life just make you want to get up and hug somebody you might know her from productions like Grease Live. You might know her from You're the Worst. But I know her as a friend who I always look to to just whenever I need some like a little pick me up. She has that type of energy. She is that type of spirit. She is that type of love. Guys, today on the episode, we have Kether Donahue, the wonderful, the amazing, the beautiful Kether Donahue. And I guarantee you that when y'all get through this conversation, y'all are going to feel as happy and joyous and as light as I did when I was having it. It's going to be a long one, but it is worth every single second. Enjoy, guys. I'll see y'all on the other side. Peace. All right. You ready? And I brought cough drops because I bring all of those actresses. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have someone so special to me here with us. Um, I'm not even going to introduce her. Her name is Kether Donahue, (laughs) and she's here with us. Say what's up. Hi, good people. (laughs) (laughs) And I've studied. I've studied your podcast, Kyle. I know. I know what I'm coming on to. I, I'm talking to the good people. I love it. So, Kether is an actress, actor, actress. Either I. I don't mind either. Either one. Got you. Of an amazing. As you guys will recognize from this podcast, because you'll be hearing it, she's an amazing voiceover artist as well. Oh, thank you. Every time uh, she calls me or like sends a voice note, I'm just like, ah! <laughs> How perfect is her voice? So um, let's, let's get into that. How did you get into the world of entertainment? Uh, grew up in New York City, right? I grew up in New York City. Um, do you want to hear how I got into voiceover specifically or acting? Because they're definitely two different journeys. Let's start with the acting and then we'll branch over into the VO. Okay. Um, let's see. If I like track back my my acting journey, um, (laughs) I, (laughs) you know, I was born on night chain but no. <laughs> sorry I'm just leaving anxiety this, this is how I cope with anxiety. I, just, I crack really bad jokes for I love it me too <laughs> and then I'll be on a groove so good people you can just fast forward to 10 minutes from now and I, I'll be a little more normal I promise this is the awkward phase of starting um You know, I just cut, my mom was a pre-K teacher her whole life for decades. And Mm. so she, my mom was very passionate about like 
finding what, when someone's three years old, four years old, my mom is such a believer. That's like a prime time to really observe the child and like, what are they naturally gravitate toward? So from a really young age, I just always wanted to put on shows for my mom. And like, you know, I always just had that uh, pull toward being in school plays or just like making the sofa, you know, like a, a seating arrangements for, for my family to like, you know, sit down and watch me and my friends put on a show. So in terms of like the journey, like I think it just started from a young age of just naturally loving, like performing and sharing that in that way. Mm. And um, when I was like, I think I was maybe nine years old, it was third grade. I actually asked my mom to enroll me in acting class. I was not, my mom was, I want to make it clear, my parents were not stage parents. My parents mm. did not try to get me into this business. It was not like that at all. I, it was very self-motivated. Um, so I asked my mom to enroll me in acting class. And I'll never forget, I was like nine years old and I, I took um, class at this place called Weast Baron, Kids Love Acting. And I'll ne it's so funny how you remember this, like the, the, the details. I'll never forget my first acting teacher, Sharon Richardson. I'll never forget like the monologue she did. I'll, I'll, I just remember everything. And I just remember my mom couldn't afford acting classes at one point, but Sharon... Mm -hmm. was so encouraging and believed in this so much that she she let me stay in the class tv this could be like you know a like a real professional thing yeah so like they have so a lot of the times in these acting classes they'll have a section of the class where agents visit the class to see okay. the students and an agent visited the class and they signed they they asked me and my mom to come for an interview and they I signed with them. And so technically that's kind of where it started. If we want to get like into specifics, where it went from being just me doing shows in my living room to like professional, I professionally signed with an agent at that time and then just started going on auditions. And I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, from there on, obviously there's ups and downs and millions yeah. of different I could tell you about the rest of the journey, but that's how it started. Got you. I have a lot of friends that are um, pursuing and have pursued careers in acting, right? And I always admire them because, you know, it's such a, a desired field of, of, um, of career, right? How do you differentiate yourself, right? We know that you have such a great Kether personality and you're bubbly and your voice and all the things, right? But if you were to tell someone that's like starting out or someone that's been doing it for a while, what advice would you give them to say, you know, this is how you kind of stand out? I would say two things. I think before we even get to the standing out, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think a, the biggest lesson, mm -hmm. and this is something I still need to Wait, can we curse on this show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. You, never know. <laughs> you know, so I've been in the, you know, I've, I've been in places before where I've like gotten in trouble for so I, <laughs> I What I was going to say is I need to fucking be reminded of this all the fucking time. But persistence and perseverance. Persistence before I even get into, because 
that's why when I say, oh, it started when I was not, if I, I'm 34 now. Mm-hmm. If I think back to like, like, I can't even tell you. I think a lot of people think of a career, especially when you read in magazines, is stories always told like, oh, it, the person went on this audition and then they took off and the rest is history. And it's like, I think we have this idea that there's a chronological upward trajectory of an artist's career. And sure, for some people that happens and great, God bless them. (laughs) But that was not me. Okay. Like I got, for example, when I was 17, I booked a series regular, my first series regular role in a pilot Mm-hmm. And then it didn't get picked up. And then after that, my next job after that was mm. a guest star on mm. something after not working for two years. And then the, my next job after that, after not working two more years, was a um, a co-star, which is less <laughs> than a guest star, under five lines. And then I went several years collecting unemployment, waiting tables, maybe doing a commercial here and there. Then I booked my another series regular role in a pilot didn't get picked up, went more years unemployed. Like, you know what I mean? So by the time I got You're the Worst, it was literally 20 years of auditioning. And to anybody who follows me on Instagram, for example, because that's when I got Instagram is when I got You're the Worst, to, to the naked eye, it might look like, oh, she got You're the Worst. And then all this cool stuff happened. It's like, well, before Instagram and before You're the Worst, I it, it was rough it was really bad and I was like up and down up and down so whoever is listening whatever you're you're asking me what advice I would give before I even get to the standing out part I want to get to to the perseverance and persistence and endurance part I think that's the biggest advice to be quite frank yeah um and I got that from my dad I want to acknowledge him he passed away a few years ago my father, um, he was born and raised in Havana, Cuba, and he, um, he, you know, came to the States and he fought in Vietnam. And I mean, he just has the most, he had the most perseverance of anybody I know. And I'll never forget when I was hot, he always knew what my dream was to be an actor. And like, you know, people would tell me all the time, oh, did you know the odds of how low the statistics are that you'll actually make a living doing this? And my dad would just, I wish I had a video of him once. I don't know where the hell it went. And I'm so upset that I don't have it, but I'll never forget. I I have a video of him just looking at me in the eye and he just went, Kether. I do do his accent really bad, so don't judge. (laughs) He was like, Kether persist, 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 persist. He literally just kept saying the word persist like over a hundred times. And and, and there were so many times I wanted to give up or said, oh, who am I to think I'll actually make a real living at this? Or like, sure, maybe I could book a commercial here and there and get by for a few months. But, you know, it, it hit me at certain points to actually make a real living, pay the rent all the time, buy a house, do all this stuff. I, there were points where I didn't know if it was going to happen. I didn't know if it was in the cards and I had to keep persisting. So that would be my first advice. Yeah. And my second advice in terms of standing out, you know, I want to say my advice is don't even, don't listen to, don't listen to people. I mean, like, yes, you have to listen to mentors and teachers and all that, but 
you always have to listen to yourself. Cause I got to tell you, for example, Greece, I'll just use my Greece live audition as an example. I took a bag of fucking potato chips to my audition. That wasn't in the script. And I just thought Jan would like chow down on potato chips. And during the audition, I, I literally like went like this and just downed them in my face. And the director cracked up and, you know, it wasn't in the script. They say don't bring props to auditions. You know, that's like, um, but I kind of just had an instinct that that would be something that she would do. And I think it set me apart. I'm not saying that's why I booked the role. I'm sure if I didn't do the chips, maybe I still would have booked it. Who knows? <laughs> and I'm not saying bring chips to auditions. All I'm saying is my advice is if you have an instinct to think outside the box, just do it because it's like, be, do, be true to what makes you, you. Someone's going to hire you for you, you know? And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been to a ballet, but like when you watch a ballet, every dancer is doing the same move, the same choreography, but there's some, they all have their own little spin on it. You know, they, there is a uniqueness within the similarities. So all the actors going on auditions, they're saying the same lines, everyone has the same material, but you have to find a way to make it true and personal to you and your instincts. And color outside the lines and think outside the box and try stuff, take risks. Don't be afraid to suck. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I'm on set, like when I just did the Quibi show, Amy Heckerling and Darren Chris, they met with me before we filmed and they said, is there anything you, you like or don't like when we're filming? And I said, my request, my only request is, can you let me have a few takes where I'm allowed to suck? Like flat out, just be bad because that's how I personally find stuff. So, that's my advice. Just keep it loose. Make mistakes. Um, I feel yeah. like it's so important, right? The idea of allowing yourself to suck, right? Allowing yourself to, to not be, like I always say, not even my first, po first podcast was like ridiculously bad, but. The <laughs> Wait, but you're good. You can't be bad. <laughs> this is possible. Right. Look at that. But, you know, like even like the even the clothing, even the brand. Right. The brand actually get this. Right. It started as like a. A vlog, like a, a, a bar hopping vlog. Right. So it's totally the antithesis of what it is now. Right. right. It's like I, I, I was like purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> you were like in purgatory back then. Literally, literally. In New that, that brand should have been called medium. <laughs> You're like. You're not good. You're not bad. You're kind of just medium, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel to suck. Like, I, I don't know how it is in L.A. I have a couple friends who moved out there. But in New York, everyone takes themselves so seriously. Which <laughs> do, right? And it's just like. But I'm so sorry. You cut out a little bit. Oh, I said in, in New York, everyone takes, themse takes themselves so seriously. Yeah. Right? Everyone. Um, kind of feels like they're on this like use the word militant off uh off the you know before when we we're talking everyone's kind yeah. of militant about uh their process and about their method right because you want to be serious about your craft but you don't want to be like i'm this distinguished you know whatever. right look it's the yin and the yang it's 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 a honestly i think my answer is gonna be like a contradiction and a paradox which I think 
anyone finds when they're just in their any sort of craft, not just acting. You know, right, right now I'm doing pottery, for example, and 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 I'm finding. I'm finding similarities in pottery as I am to, to acting. It's like, you have to be precious. The clay is precious, but it's also playful and you have to let it go. It, it is a paradox. So in context to what you're talking to in regards to New York and the militants, I think on one hand, mm -hmm. yes, it is absolutely, uh, I am grateful as fuck that that's where I got my start. I am grateful for that discipline that I, you know, I'm grateful for the conservatories and the, 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 the God knows how many hours of acting lessons and, and theater, you know, in theater there, you, there is no editing. There is no room to, um, on the stage. You can't do that. You, 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 like I, I had a night, for example, in a play I was doing on a Wednesday that just sucked. And I said to my friend in the audience, like, but if you were there last night on Tuesday, I promise I, I was really good, <laughs> you know? So on one hand, yes. I do think there's something to be said and benefited from for um, discipline and the hustle and and being in that environment that kind of sharpens your knife. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's or, I think it's and. Mm -hmm. I think you have to fucking throw shit away and make an ass out of yourself and be a clown. Yeah. You know, and that could be you could be, it sounds odd, but you can be militant about being a clown. I mean, like, seriously, it sounds really odd, but I, I actually think this is a great opportunity to tell a story of um, a lesson I learned in clown class. <laughs> and I, so I went to this conservatory in New York, and there was a professional clown class. <laughs> like, we literally got a clown nose, and I swear to God, I saw more people cry in clown class than I did in Shakespeare class. Like, because it's really, um, it's, it's being funny is a weird thing. You know, it's like, if no one laughs, it's really fucking embarrassing. You know, it's like, it, it's, um, and I personally wasn't in this class, but I love this story. Someone else in that school in another clown class told me this awesome story. So basically this clown class, each person had to get up and make the entire room unanimously laugh. And if they all didn't laugh unanimously, you had to keep going. Or uh, And the teacher said, we will be here all night until each one of you makes all of us laugh. Like, let's say five, there's six people in the class and let's say five people laugh and one person chuckles or one person doesn't laugh. You have to keep going. Wow. And so there was this one person who gets up, isn't really making people laugh. She tries, she tries, people chuck. At this point, people are just mad at her. Like, we want to go home, just you're not funny. So she takes this broom that's on the wall and she starts running around like a witch. Like, oh, maybe that'll make people laugh. No one's laughing. It's just pathetic. So she props herself up against the wall and a tear rolls down her face genuinely because she's so sad that she can't people laugh. And the, the broom falls and goes up her nose as she's crying. Everyone laughed. Wow. And, and I think the lesson for her was that was her only authentic moment. That was her, you know, so it's like, 
I don't know. I just love that story because if we're talking about like the benefits of being militant versus playful, I, I don't think it's either or. I think there's a world in which you could do both. Authenticity. Yeah. 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 And it's so funny because, so I have this friend who I have since high school, I've told him he is like just the bee's knees when it comes to actors, incredible. And he's taken his talents kind of sort of to the world of Instagram and TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can, I know some people see that as like antithetical to serious acting and, you know, methodic acting right yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> For, wait maybe explain to the good people what i just did <laughs> clown gestures in this <laughs> i did a jerking off gesture because i think that's bullshit i mean i, I think that's... i mean well yeah exactly what do you think about that because you don't choose to use your instagram in that way but there are a lot of people who now kind of circumvent the whole uh, agents and the whole like, you know, going on uh, auditions, but they use Instagram kind of to leverage and like build their audience and then leverage that. So what do you, have you ever? I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's a crock of fucking shit. <laughs> Thank God I could curse in this episode. Because, <laughs> um, I think it's a load of shit when people try to tell, when people get snobby and elitist about how someone can go about success. I think it's bullshit. I I think it's awesome if someone has talents and they start sharing it with people over YouTube or Instagram or TikTok in any capacity. And, and that's how people their work gets through to people. I applaud that. I think that's wonderful. I celebrate that. I, um, and especially, um, in this day and age with social media, why not use social media as a tool for good, for positive, to hone your skills, to, to test out your, if your audience is responding to you. And you, you said something significant in your question. You said, how do you feel about that in lieu of an agent or in lieu of auditions? I, again, I don't think it's or, I think it's and. It's like, there, will, there can come a time where maybe someone has to use YouTubers, Instagram, or TikTok because they can't get an agent because the agent in, you know, in, in this business that, you know, Agents sometimes just, they don't know who someone is. They're not going to sign them. So maybe that's the catalyst for an agency wanting to sign the person, you know? So that could lead to that. And that has happened many times. So, you know, I, I think it's wonderful. And I think it could actually lead to more traditional ways. Like Aquafina, for example. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure she started out doing her own stuff online. Yeah, yeah, very uh, present social media. Um, so, perfect example. If someone were to put her down for that, they would have, you know, she has the last laugh. And I love that you say and instead of but, because I, I think people so many times think of it as either you go the traditional route, you go to the conservatories, or you go to Instagram and, and Twitter, or not Twitter, but TikTok or whatever, right? And they don't see that you can do both. They don't see that there are pathways to both. 
Right. Of course. I think, you know, in general, that's, I think I'm just learning the older I get and like, it may sound corny, but honestly, the more I'm doing pottery and seriously, I, the clay is like so fluid and clay just kind of becomes what it's going to be. And I, I've just kind of learned to embrace more fluidity in my life and not rigidity. Yeah. And you can get fluidity out of rigidity and vice versa, you know? So it's, and it's case by case basis. It's like, for example, in conservatory, mm-hmm. there was an, an acting class traditionally where they teach actors in a scene. You, they, it's very left brain and logical. They, they handle like a scientist, like, oh, in the scene, you have to choose your objective and what's your obstacles. Well, that works for some people and good for them. Whatever works for someone, I don't judge. I find that doesn't work for me. I find that gets me too in my head. And I personally, so it's like, that's an and situation. It's like, I still went to a traditional studying conservatory and got benefits from it. And I found that there were things that didn't work for me with the traditional quote methods. Yeah. So, you know, it's really you're allowed to change and grow and evolve and be someone different on a case-by-case basis at different times. It doesn't have to be this like strict. Yeah. I, I think that one of the hardest things when we are, like you said, molding ourselves like clay is figuring out when we need to um, make a, a major shift in that piece, right? Um, you move from New York, which is a big acting city, over to L.A. Um, what was the impetus for that, and how did it affect you? No, I grew. I was born and raised in New York City. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who's from New York to L.A.? Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so this is the thing, again, with the fluidity. It's, it's not a... Oh, I lived in New York and then I moved to LA. My story is one of ups and downs, backs and forths, literally, okay. you know? So I born and raised in New York. That's where I started acting. And everyone would say to me, why don't you move to LA? There's more TV shows there. That's where, if you really are serious about making a living, that's where to go. And again, this goes back to my advice of sticking with your instincts. My instincts were telling me you know what? If it's not broken, don't fix it. If I'm managing to get some work here and there, even though it's not as much as I would like in New York, mm-hmm. I felt that I wanted to keep that going to build my foundation. I didn't want to just go off to LA where I had no agent. It's a bigger town where more people who don't know who the fuck I am. I'm like, at least in New York, it's a smaller community of actors. I've at least formed some relationships with casting directors who believe in me, who keep calling me in for auditions. Again, that's my other advice. It's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Find people who really believe in you and, and champion you. Um, so, and I said to myself, you know, I really instinctively feel like I'm not going to go to LA unless I'm asked to go there unless I go on an audition and I get hired for something where they're like we are paying you to fly out here so anytime I went to LA the first time I went to LA was because I auditioned in New York for a pilot they flew me out the studio flew me out to test for the pilot film the pilot it didn't get picked up so I went back to New York Second time I went to LA again, 
I booked a pilot out of New York. They flew me there on their dime. It didn't get picked up, so I moved back. Then I tried LA on my own for a few months. <laughs> ah, I got an agent and oh, I got sent to maybe one audition in like three months. Didn't work out too well. Came back to New York. Then I came back to LA again on my own, tried it for a few years. Seriously, like when I booked you're the worst, I was like so miserable. I had moved, I felt like I failed at LA. I moved back to New York. Uh, I mean, you know what I mean? So mine was very much back and forth. I only permanently moved here again for good when I booked, not even season one of You're the Worst, I still didn't move back to LA. That's how terrified I was. I was like, the show could have canceled. I rented an Airbnb season one. Season two, I was like, all right, I think it's safe to say I, it's sturdy enough I could move. I only moved out here season two of You're the Worst. Well, I'm glad that uh, it didn't get canceled because that's one of my favorite shows. I think that one of the things that when I talk to my actor friends, you know, they they all have this idea of life is going to change, like do the 180 thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about the transition between being, um, even if you are still in search of something bigger, being in search of that that role and then finding you know, a you're the worst or finding, you know, what, what happens to your life when you find that one big thing? Yeah. You know, I have a few things to say about that. Cause again, I'm so, I think it's so unhealthy and like almost borderline dangerous, that whole narrative of then everything changed for me. You know what I mean? Because, but then I'd also be lying if I acted like you're the worst, didn't change things. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Like, you're the worst has significantly changed things in the sense that, thank God, and and this is something I am grateful for and do not take for granted. I am so grateful that, like, yes, there were times where I was able to make a living during acting, but it was, like, still tight and penny pinching and struggles. I am grateful, grateful, grateful. And that's a big thing that, that changes when you're on a show. You're like, you, you feel like you could finally breathe in terms of, okay, I'm so grateful. I could support myself, not worry about my rent and, you know, things like that. So that's, that's wonderful. And so grateful for that. But again, that's something that still, even you're the word, you're not guaranteed a show's gonna go, you never know how long a show's gonna go for. So again, mentally, it's not like when I booked You're the Worst, I just kicked back and thought, yay, now I'm just taking care of forever. It's like, no, it could get canceled at any minute. So you always still need to save up and be on your toes, you know? It was just more over time that I realized, oh, wonderful, this is fabulous, that I'm making a nice living, that's great. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, you know, just in terms of uh, people in the industry watching the show. Again, I still audition all the time, but there's more um, familiarity that it, it's wonderful when I am auditioning for something now that I really want to go after. Mm-hmm. Uh, my agent and I were able to send um, a demo and a reel of saying, hey, this is you know, my work on You're the Worst to show that maybe I could do this other thing that I really want to go after. There's just more 
support in terms of a resume of showing someone, oh, I did this, so maybe trust me more to do this. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's been a wonderful change. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people, right, whether you're doing acting or whether you're doing any type of entertainment or just, you know, trying to start a whatever, whatever you're doing, getting past college, whatever, there's the point where you feel like giving up. And you said right before the you're the worst, uh, right before getting you're the worst, you felt like that, that pressure, right? What keeps you going when you don't know where your next role is going to come from or you don't know where that next check is going to come from? And I still do, mind you, I also would like to really throw it out there that right now, I, I know I'm about to film a show mm-hmm. in late September, right? For CBS, like a, a really great show. I'm not lying to you. I am still, every day when I drive around, I still am in a panic mode where I'm like, oh, the show might get canceled after an episode. Or the, the, you know, like, I, I, I'm telling you, it doesn't go away. Yeah. I am still in, I feel like I'm in a perpetual state psychologically of survival mode and thinking things could just be ruined and taken away at any moment. Like, I want to just really highlight that. I love, um, I love that you did. Yeah, because uh, honestly, I think I would be a little scared if I ever got a little too comfortable, you know? And I still feel that, because honestly, before I booked this new show that I'm about to do, I found myself once again in what they call, every actor who listens knows this, pilot season, the Mm. fucking worst. (laughs) That's the real worst. telling you i was having panic attacks i was calling my agent like i don't know if i could do this like and this is after five seasons if you're the worst i'm back to pilot season to try to get another pilot i'm telling you it really doesn't end so thank god i got another pilot and i got another show thank god but i just want to really highlight that feeling doesn't go away but anyway i'm sorry your question was what keeps me going going yeah and i want to say a little bit about that too right because again people get that that feeling of it's going to be that one big break and even if like what we say all always over here is even after it's always about what's next so Mm -hmm. it shouldn't ever be about like we always say it's not goal mindset it's growth mindset so Mm -hmm. even if you get to where you thought that you wanted to be there's always more after that right something very significant that I would like to add to this discussion is yes it's wonderful to keep growing and getting more work and yes that's absolutely what I want to keep doing but when you ask me what's something I learned or whatever from having a little more success with the other words I will say uh it's kind of like with more the what's the saying like more is expected. Basically, I just remember there was a point where I was doing Grease Live mm-hmm. and You're the Worst promotion at the same time. And I w- it was the first time I was ever really had a publicist or was doing press or promoting stuff as I was in rehearsal, as I was in pre-production for something, and juggling a bunch of things at once. And I'm so grateful to be in that situation. But I remember feeling like that for the first time, like, oh, shit, I... I wasn't expecting this. I, I, oh shit, I'm so 
anxious. I'm overwhelmed. I, I was going through the worst depression of my life. I, I didn't know. I, you know, so I, I'm glad that happened though, because now moving forward, I learned a lot that also I think now moving forward, I just learned a little bit more about myself that I can't, um, I need to have a little bit more boundaries in my personal life. Uh, uh, you know, I, I definitely can't, I, I felt that I was maybe overextending myself at certain points in my life. I didn't really know how to hand, I'm already a disorganized person as it is. So there was a lot of me that, um, felt like a, like I failed at being able to juggle a lot at once and I beat myself up for that. So there's, there's a whole other can of worms that's open when you are, it was just weird. I was finding myself the most externally successful as I had ever been at that time, but internally feeling the worst and most depressed and down that I was in my life. Yeah. So right now, what I'm so grateful for and what I'm praying for is like this new stage in my life for me is really about balance. And I, 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 I'm so grateful I have a chance to do something over again, like a show. And, and internally, I, I really need to, it's important to me now to take care of my inner life and my personal life and make sure I'm, I'm not just like being pulled in different directions. So I also have to throw that in there. And where does, because, okay, so you're out in LA, right? And, and, you have a bunch of people that are doing the act or, or acting, right? And you have a bunch of people that want that opportunity, want that spot, right? Um, where do you find time <clears throat> to get some personal in, right? Because like you said, it's always that fight. It's always that got to get the next thing, got to get the next thing, got to keep on going. Where do you find time to uh, think about Kether? And what do you do to think about Kether? That's a great question, Kyle. And, and honestly, it's something I still to this day have trouble. Seriously. Like, I, I, I mean, I, like I said, the pottery, you know what I mean? That's why I talk about pottery so much now, because I'm telling you, it's just little things like that, you know, like just setting aside a day of the week where I just do pottery. It's truly, and you know what I mean? Where it's like, that's my time to just, not have a final product, not care about, am I deliver? You know, that's why I love making, there's an art called Wabi Sabi and pottery where it's like embracing the art of imperfection. And like, I'm so obsessed with that concept to be honest. Cause I just feel like it's so lovely to have a space in which you don't have to fucking churn out a final product for someone or make someone money or impress someone or be funny, land a joke. All, you know, it's nice for me personally, my personal time and sacred space is a space in which I don't have to be on. I don't have to be funny. I don't have to be something for someone else. It's about nurturing authentic friendships yeah. and intimate platonic relationships Yeah. Uh, where I'm seen and heard and loved for all of me, the big mess. Uh, and beautiful person that I am. I love that. Um, it's about not judging myself, not beating myself up, being compassionate to myself, truly just finding that time where I could go for a walk, go for a run, exercise, just lay in bed, just yeah. not do anything. Take a fucking bath, take a drive, you know, 
the, for me, it's just carving out time where, because I also think there's performative downtime too. Like, like, oh, this week I played backgammon. You know what I mean? Like, I do, you know, sometimes it annoys you and someone's like, what did you do? What are you up to? It's like, you know what? I didn't do shit. I took a shit today. That's what I did. You know, like. Yeah. I think I love the imagery of just. Okay, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> the imagery of just kind of manifesting yourself onto that piece of pottery right mm -hmm. and just being your mo i always say that you know you're not we're not who we are for social media or you know when a bunch of people are around we are who we are when we're in that you know alone space and i think a lot of what covid uh this this one season did for a lot of people is it made them face who they are without all the people and without all of the watchers, without all the expectations and all of that stuff. Right. So I kind of have this image in my head. If you were paint, if you were sculpting, mm -hmm. right. Uh, the, the perfect pottery piece and, you know, not literally, but the perfect pottery piece of who you are. Right. And we'll use words. Who is Kether Donahue? Let me really meditate on that for a minute because I, that's a very, I mean, that's a very existential question. <laughs> um, Deep here. I'm a child of God mm. uh, and I, I'm a compassionate person. Mm -hmm. I'm a passionate person. Um, hmm. I'm spontaneous, creative, um, really, and it, you know, and this kind of goes back to, oddly enough, because you did have a question before where you said, what keeps you going when you're not? Yeah. This kind of actually goes with this question that describes me too, because honestly, I'm a very spiritual person and you know, I really do have a trust and a belief that I, I, God will just kind of decide what's supposed to happen for me, to be quite frank. So like, that kind of answers both. It's like when I don't, when I'm in a space where I'm like, oh no, what's coming next? I don't, I don't tangibly have evidence of a job, but I have to have faith that there is one that's meant for me. And the same thing with describing who I am it's like um okay you know what I will bring it up a little bit I recently got sober and my sponsor you know I'm in the a program and my sponsor says to me God will show you who you are you don't know yet like you know it's kind of like when you kind of peel away all the bullshit and the alcohol and the drugs and like the obsession and the addiction and people pleasing and impulsive shit. What's remaining is my pure soul and self that God intended me to be. So it's like, I could sit here all day and give descriptive adjectives out of a dictionary or a thesaurus to describe who I am. And that's cool. But I feel like who I am is also just kind of, who I am, who we all are just on a moment by moment, spontaneous basis. 
I love and that's kind of like, I don't really know if anything can be compartmentalized in such a way. I absolutely love that. I feel like a lot of um, what you do in your life, right, comes from that spiritual awareness, right? It comes from, because, you know, I've had the same realization. So actually a funny story. So check this out. Um, COVID hit and the week after um, I'm sitting at home, I am not working obviously because everything's shut down mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, let's see what's on. You know, I, and I'm like, like literally the day of the last day that we worked, I had gotten home at like 11 o'clock. So I'm like out partying, doing all the crazy New York City nonsense. And I'm detoxing and my body is like going through the crazy nonsense. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I put on Hulu mm. and then I discover the amazingness that is your show. Ah, how funny. Now, get this, right? So I'm watching and um, we know that Lindsay is character right and (laughs) i'm getting all of these the reason why i continue to watch the show actually is because i'm kind of getting all these flashbacks from when i'm out in new york and the type of people that i was around because you know Lindsay would remind me of the type of women (laughs) would see find myself around and (laughs) i i for some reason i reached out right to you on social media and to see that you were the antithesis, not the antithesis, but <laughs> you were just a normal person, <laughs> like such a rest and such an ease, right? How do you, this character- like, God, she's not gonna stab me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it gave me- I'm glad we have a DM uh, <laughs> between us because uh, I should wear body armor when I meet her. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, how do you say? Make sure bulletproof vest on when you meet me. <laughs> how do I what? How do you separate yourself from, uh, from your characters? Um, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, again, I don't like to analyze it much. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, when I was playing Lindsay in order for, I, again, I think Lindsay was a mix of me finding authentically what I related to. Like, again, I could be totally different than Lindsay mm-hmm. and still find things that resonate with me. For example, you know, so whenever I would get interviewed, it was cool because through, through interviews, I actually learned a lot about how I thought about Lindsay. Because on set, when I'm kind of in that creative mode, I think analyzing things kills acting sometimes. Like sometimes I don't like to know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, but after the fact, when I could talk about it, I think what I learned was, it was funny to me because I would get all these questions that where I was like, oh my God, everyone thinks Lindsay's this horrible person. Cause I found myself defending her. I'd be like, no, no, no. What I related to it, and it was just funny because I didn't view her as this bad person. What I related to that is actually me, I put my impulsive, I'm impulsive, I'm spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I think 
She's very passionate about, you know, if you really analyze her scenes with Gretchen, Lindsay's oftentimes helping her out. She's actually giving Gretchen like advice and um, she just wants to be loved. And she's, you know, just very, you know, so I actually put a lot of similarities of me into the character. Uh, but in terms of how I separate myself, because then that's where the part of the creative stuff comes in. There's, that's why it's acting, because it's just like my creative instincts about how a scene, how I'd play a scene that just has nothing to do with me. That's just my creative self, you know? So. This is why I can um, there, because I would just be the <laughs> big old ball of boringness that I am right now. It's no, you're not boring. Are you, you're the are you fucking kidding me? Oh my goodness. I listen, if you would have known me pre all of this, you would have said, Oh no, that why are you so I went to a party on Sunday and everyone's like, Why are you so quiet? I am definitely I'm like on tranquilizer right you know now. What? I want to say to those people, why are you so fucking inquisitive and judgmental? It's like, ew, I don't like them. I don't if you're <laughs> listening. If you're listening, shame on you. <laughs> don't talk to Kyle that way. <laughs> Definitely shame on. When you. I say hi, good people, I'm not including you in that. <laughs> I want to ask a little bit. You brought the quiet ones that are really observant. Scorpio power. Yes. <laughs> I want to. I want to ask you. Brought up love, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and a segue into what we were talking about uh, before the episode. How do you, how's the LA love scene for you? <laughs> the, face that, the face that she just gave tells it all. <laughs> I'm very glad this is an audio episode because I don't want anyone to see the face. <laughs> oh God, Kyle, I don't know. Um, look again, I, I, I really don't like to generalize stuff because I'm sure people, I, again, I don't want to put that out there. I'm, Sure, people find love all the time in LA, and I'm sure I will. But um, it's again, it's like I just feel like we live in this Tinder swipe culture. Yes. Where it's just like my biggest thing is this look, I feel like, and look, I don't want to. Again, I really don't want to generalize things and make this like a male-female battle or whatever. But I do, you're asking my experience, and my experience dating men is, I feel like men have a switch. Mm. And it's like, my big thing is like, I feel like when you're going on dates with someone, you know, everyone's on their best behavior <laughs> the first few days. Eventually, something's gonna come up. That's not perfect, okay? That's like the pottery, the little crap. And I have found that so many people can't handle mm -hmm. humanity. It's like, I hate to break it to you, but I am not my Tinder profile picture. Like, uh, you know, I, it's like no one wants a full human being to show up. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just feel like our tolerance of, of, of like, I feel like everyone's just addicted to the new, addicted to what's new. Yeah. And being intimate, I don't know. I, I just, I'm kind of exhausted at the uh, hesitation on people's 
part to participate in real intimacy, which requires actually getting to know a real human being. Yeah. <laughs> like who has thoughts and needs and feelings and like. And, and it requires something outside of that selfish momentary desire, you know. And the reason why I asked, the reason why I framed it in terms of LA specifically, and it could be New York as well, but these are cities that are notorious for people being self-absorbed, right? And all about mm -hmm. us, right? So how do you find... That's interesting though that you bring that up because it just popped in my head. Mm -hmm. I don't think this has happened anywhere else where I've dated, but in LA, without fail, if I meet a guy out in like a true out setting, like not at an industry event or party where it's like you all know you're there because of the event, professional event happening. If I'm just out in a bar atmosphere or the street or just wherever, a coffee shop with friends, whatever, so many, every guy in LA, when they're, when you flirt or hit on you, the first few questions out of their mouth is, well, what's your Instagram? I'll hit you up on Instagram. It's like, that's really, the subtext is, let me see who you are. Yeah. Let, me see, let me see how many followers you have. Let me see how high up in the ladder you are. Let me see, you know, uh, let me suss you out on that superficial level. That's ha that has never happened in any other state that I have dated someone in. And I find that very interesting. I'm trying to think if I do that. I'm sure I've... Given people, I used to give people my Instagram when they'd ask for it because it's like, all right, well, I mean, why not? Like, I'm fine, you know, talking to stuff. If that's how you meet someone and they ask for your Instagram, it's like, okay, here's my Instagram. I stopped doing that because there's really nothing more awkward than following someone you dated for like two or three months and then you have to fucking mute them or like you don't want to block them because that feels a little weird. Like it's just, and then, ew, ew, and then, and then their little head pops up on your story and it's like, oh, I sucked your dick and now you're watching my story. Like, and then you didn't respond to my last text. <laughs> this is weird. You know, I mean, like, like, at least have the decency to respond to my text before your little head pops up on my story. You know, like at least go on your secret account and watch my story. Okay. At least have the decency to not have your little head pop up. Do we still do that? We still do secret accounts. Yeah. But everyone does it. And let's not even lie. Come on. I'd rather if I'm going I don't have a secret account. See, I have too many accounts in general. Yeah, right. Finding good secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... Finding, finding good fraud accounts. <laughs> finding good creeps. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Peep out all the... the finding good stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had an Instagram stalker? Other than me, of course. <laughs> uh, you're the best one I've had. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're such a good Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you qualify as a stalker? I mean, I have guys. They're definitely like regulars that pop up. <laughs> you know, like they're they have regularly 
consistently reached out when I don't respond. So I think that would qualify, I guess, as a stalker. But um, okay, okay, we got to get into this, right? Because all right, I love that we're. This is the second part, right? This is for everyone who's watching. Will be the you know she said ten minutes in. You can fast forward. This is the fast forward part, right? Because <laughs> all the actors you see say in the first part. Anyway. <laughs> I want to talk about this because I am one who I'll like go through the stories and if I see something that I love, I'll do the little heart eyes. Doesn't necessarily mean I want like okay. to you, right? But I think that the general cut out. It doesn't mean that you what? It doesn't mean oh jeez. We'll edit all of this out. Uh it doesn't mean that I want to like bang someone because I'm doing the heart eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the general perception of it, right? So what are, for you, what are the kind of like, oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad we're talking about, you know, I think we need to have more honest discussions about this. I have a question for you then, Kyle. Yes, ma'am. Which stories are the ones you're putting the hearts? It, it, it most likely is a sexy, like, babe shot of someone or like are you still putting the heart if it if someone's you know at their grandma's house i mean, <laughs> I, mean like, I think all the other ones are obsolete right like if i put a hunt the hundred thing it's because someone's doing some factual thing like it like all the other ones are pretty obsolete so i'll just be like hard eyes hard eyes i love you i care i i, I love you i love this dog i love okay. you know but i feel like people are like that sneaky Kyle, he's trying to flirt with me. This is the thing. You know, it's like, it, as a, and again, I can only speak for me. Mm -hmm. As a woman, if I'm putting a post out there that is flirty or sexual in some capacity, mm -hmm. and a guy does respond with the heart, I mean, look, of course, we're all adults here. Of course, I'm not, I, it, it's irrational for my mind to jump to, oh, he wants to marry me. You know what I mean? But of course, we all have our little fantasy mind. So of course, if someone, a guy who I know is single or whatever, maybe we've had a flirty exchange, does that to me, of course, my mind is going to go to like, oh, is that his way of maybe, you know, but I think it's also very normal that if, if a guy does, respond the hard eyes i'm gonna feel flattered and think that maybe that is a little uh a move putting a move a little move maybe not a big move but a little move you know i i it would give me enough reason to anticipate maybe something next like oh maybe he'll follow up with a conversation maybe he'll ask me out you know what i mean i so and i I don't know. It's weird. Sometimes I almost get, maybe this is me being immature. You tell me. Sometimes I almost get not mad because that makes it sound so dramatic, but sometimes I get a little frustrated when guys do continually do that with no movement forward because it's kind of like, then why do it? Then what's the point? I don't know. Unless you are just genuinely friend, like I have a lot of platonic guy friends that we both know we're friends, and that's it. We both know we're never gonna fuck, we're not gonna date, we're not gonna get married. So if that person's putting a heart, whatever, that's just normal. Friendship friends do that. 
But if it is a guy that there's been some sort of flirtation or whatever, and then if they continually do that and then there's nothing else to follow, sometimes I do get a little annoyed, a little bit like, all right, then what's the fucking point? Because sometimes I feel like it does lead me on or string me along or it feels a little bit like a waste of time. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I feel like for me, it's more it's more along the line of I'll get a little discouraged or or sad when it's always just like the like and like nothing else. So it's like Wait, are you telling a story or a post? Story. So like if I if you if I'm like, you know, I love whatever story you're posting and it's like no interaction, it's just like you like it. And anyway, if you put a heart on someone's story and they just like it. Exactly. They just like, it's almost like the like has become. An end. That's an end. Exactly. I want to record. This is such a Scorpio that like only, I, I tell you, I feel that perhaps only a Scorpio would understand what you're saying. Because a lot of other people might say, actually, no. Some people wouldn't even put the like. Ah. Because I know what you mean. If we want to relate this now to jump into over to correlate this to text. Yeah. Me, sometimes when someone just hearts, puts a heart or loves your text, that to me feels the same as what you're saying. But I feel it's different. I also, again, have a lot of friends that I know them putting a heart is actually a big deal for them. Really? I, yeah. I have a friend, um, I won't say who because everyone would know who it is, <laughs> um, but he, he is very picky about his time and energy and who he gives it to. And to him, if he puts a heart, it's like, that actually means a lot to me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that like I, for me, I know that that's him acknowledge it really, you know what I mean? I could write a nice little paragraph to him from the heart. And if he puts a love, I actually don't take it personally. I'm like, that actually means something. But that's only because I know him. So again, it's like everyone's so different. I feel like everyone just needs to have these conversations. Because again, now that I know this, mm -hmm. maybe next time if you wrote me something that I would just put a like, I don't know. Because uh, now I'll be sensitive to your, your hurt feelings, to the like. I mean, I don't <laughs> Disclaimer to all the... And I always say this, right? Like, if I send you a text or if I send a message and you like two of my messages in a row without responding, I'm never going to text you again in my life. You're on my block list. Like, playing a text or DMs? DM both. If I send you any type of communication and you send that little likey thing and uh -huh. no other response to it, I'm. Oh my God, I'm not stop <laughs> you for one second here. Yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Receipts. Hold on. Hold on, Kyle. Receipts. Oh, no. <laughs> um, our last DM, I put a little paragraph and you put a heart. Because Was that you ending? I mean, let's... Uh, you called me right before. Am I right? right? That's true. But hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let me scroll. Not you do that quite a lot, Kyle. Not to you. You're being a hypocrite. 
No, you, you, you put, you're guilty of putting the little heart. Oh, but I'll respond after. I'll, I'll like. No, no, there have been times where you just put a little heart. At some point, someone has to end the fucking conversation. Okay, so here we go. That's an interesting one. How do you end a conversation? I'm not, and hold on, you didn't even answer my original question. <laughs> you are being such a guy right now. My original question I'm going to call you on your shit. My original question was when you put the little heart, you, you were jumping to after you put the heart and someone likes it. Uh-uh, that's not what I asked. What I asked is when you put the little heart or eyes, whatever, yeah. and, that, and that's in response to not just a dog or a grandma, someone with their grandma, but let's say it is in response to like a flirty, a hot girl with a flirty pose or whatever. Mm-hmm. What is your intention? You're saying your intention isn't, it doesn't always mean that you want to bang the person, but I'd like to ask them, what's your intention? What are you doing? Well, not to give all my game away, Kether. Not to, you know. Well, you're the one that brought up the conversation, Kyle. Well, okay. So I would think that when I do that, um, it would be kind of to break the ice a little bit. To say, um, like this, like a type of like over the shoulder. So, so wait, but your then your question is completely paradoxical because you're the, the reason you brought it up. It's because you said, when I put a heart, the heart is, it doesn't mean I want to bang the person. It doesn't mean this. But just now you're saying it means that you're hitting on them in a subtle way, which means eventually you want to bang them. So just because I'm giving the coy over the shoulder little look, <laughs> the little Mae West look. They should, they should have an emoji with the <laughs> coy, a coy emoji. <laughs> I would use that all the time. Just because I. My new favorite emoji that doesn't exist. <laughs> or little like, that, like with the eyelash. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't mean that I want to bang. Let's okay. So in full transparency, right? Wait, I'm gonna take a little. Sorry, I want to chronicle this a little. Yes. <laughs> in full transparency mode, right? I'm doing the coy over the shoulder look for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll show us your koi. Show us your koi. <laughs> <laughs> Give a <Love> little <laughs> in, in full transparency, I had such a massive crush on Kether when we first uh, came <laughs> Right? But that doesn't mean, like I say to all my girlfriends that eventually, you know, come into this realm that we're in, it's like, I... I just found, I found everyone beautiful. I find everyone, like, gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> I find everyone worth... You're even laughing quite. <laughs> You're even laughing like... <laughs> That's, is it wrong that I find everyone worth... <laughs> I have to be. I have to be. Can can I tell you this? So the other night, I had it pulled on me, right? So this person, I'm not sure who they are. Uh, They (laughs) know. 
<laughs> and get this, they wrote me a poem. <laughs> but get this, they only had one picture and it was very like a weird picture. And I was like, ugh. And I'll send you the profile after. I have to unblock her first. <laughs> but so, so I know where this story goes. You blocked her. Big old block, like with the oh. the end instead of E. Oh, no. Because it, it began to be like this this is where the question goes, right? So what is the separation between like playful banter and like okay, you're getting you're get you're getting blocked now. Other than like the obvious D pick, right? Right. Like, what, what I mean, look, it's like I feel like any common sense human being, I feel like that doesn't even need an answer because it's like truly, if you're a common sense, rational human being, I think it's all about <clears throat> honoring the boundaries of a progression. You know, like you can't just, exp you know, that's what intimacy is all about. It's slowly letting someone in when they're earning your trust. Wow. And when someone just out of the gate expects your energy in a certain way that they didn't earn, that's an automatic, no, you're out. There, there needs to be, uh, be an honoring and, and, and that you would hope if you end up in a partnership with someone that you, you, you shouldn't be teaching that person what that looks like. They should already come into it knowing what that is. Wow, that is <clears throat> actually really deep. Like intimacy is not earned. Right. Um. Yes. It's 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 earned. Sorry. Intimacy. It is earned. <laughs> I'm like. Uh. I don't know what you just took out of that. <laughs> no. Intimacy is earned, and it has to be honored. And and I love that point because I'm always trying to. And it's interesting you say that people should know that, right? Because common sense isn't really common, especially now on the internet, right? Like, you don't know. And I had one of my exes, one of my close, she's, we're still close friends. And she sent me that meme where like, it says, you don't need a, you don't need a woman's love. You need a therapist. Right. So it's kind of like, don't we have to kind of teach people how to treat us in relationships? But what is, it's also, I, you know, I, I have something else to say though that I just thought of. I also don't want to be, I, I think it's ridiculous also when people are on their moral, moral high horse and act like there's only one way to have a relationship. Also, some people want to just fuck and that's okay. I don't judge them. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I respect non-monogamous communities. I respect sex positivity, you know, slut, ho, you know what I mean? Like, I respect that mm -hmm. you know so i also don't want to say anything that reinforces some homogenized yeah. um ideological standard of like relationships i could only speak for myself right now and what you're asking me with what what where you because your question was where do i separate a creep from someone i actually would continue something with that was my answer in relation to that yeah. So I, I, I certainly don't, I, I just want to clarify that, that I don't judge anybody who, do, who wants to, you know what I mean? Because that's cool. Like, everyone's just 
should do whatever they want to do. You know, and that that's consensual too. If two people agree that they just want to like, ladies, if you just providing your DM, ladies, <laughs> please just let me know. My DM is always open, and I'll, <laughs> I'll hit you with the hard eyes. And you know, <laughs> but, you know I will say though, Kyle, that because I think another thing in this this conversation that I would like to talk about is mixed signals. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying that, okay, no, I understand. What I just heard you say is that you have a lot, similar to that, like, I, same that I have a lot of guy friends. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I don't fuck all of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> what I heard you say is that you have a lot of female friends and you might put some hard eyes. It doesn't mean you want, you're trying to bang all of them, mm -hmm. right? I got it. However, I would like to point out the frustration, at least for me, of mixed signals. Mm. Sometimes when a guy, I've had guys before who approach me like they're hitting on me and I, it, you know, and I am single, I am looking for someone. So if that happens and I find them attractive, I immediately get into that mode of like, oh, cool, like I'm excited. Is he courting me? Are we gonna date or is he trying to date me? And then when it kind of goes nowhere or then they refer to you as your friend, but then they do something flirty also, I personally find that a little frustrating because I'm like, then I start thinking, wait, as he's saying he's my friend, but he really wants to date me, but he's just trying to be the friend to get me in a safe zone so that I feel comfortable with him. Or does he mean it? He wants to just be friend. For me, I find that frustrating because then my heart gets hurt. I don't know where to place my vulnerabilities and expectations. Yeah. And I think guys do that a lot too. And I, I know good guys do it who aren't maliciously trying to do it, but yeah. I'd like to broach that subject of mixed signals I, I i i you know i said me right because literally you know no pun intended i am a good guy and sometimes i'll do that as a disarming thing right so what is a disarming thing like i'll say hey what's up buddy or what's up homie okay way to like if you i don't want you to feel um uncomfortable with the situation i want it to naturally progress as opposed to being like hey baby i like your <laughs> your boobs today right like you know <laughs> i don't think that's wrong i'm glad i'm hearing this mm -hmm. but then but then if there's nothing else that follows it's a little confusing it's like well then what are you doing yeah. you know can you talk about that I think a lot of times we get, a lot of times guys get stuck in that, in that mode of like, it's like, all right, you know, when you're doing jump rope and you're not really sure when to actually jump in, because even if you feel like it's something there, you're like, I don't want to mess up the whole entire relationship, hmm. right? Like, even if um, she's not interested, I still want us to be some type of friendly. Just because you you don't go in for the kill, so to speak, or pull the trigger in a more, uh, I feel like the word aggressive is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Like in a more aggressive way, you could still have that desire inside that you would want it to be something 
or the, in the future, you'd want it to see how it progresses, but you're just not sure what else. Exactly. So that's that comforting to hear because for me, when I'm, because I feel that I've been on the receiving end of that a lot with guys where I, they'll do something that shows me, I'm like, mm, they like me a little more than a friend. And then that excites me because I'm like, I, I would kind of, I would explore that. But then if they don't, if they're not consistent with that, and then I get the friend vibe, flirtation vibe, the heart. And then honestly, that's when the little fucking hard eye shit does kind of frustrate me. Cause then honestly, it feels a little bit like a mind fuck. And I, I don't appreciate a mind fuck. I, I, I kind of, at this point, especially at the age I'm at, it's like, I kind of like to know where I stand with someone. I don't want enough with the, the, the games. Like I just, but I hear what you're saying is it's not a game. You're just, I, I understand that you're just maybe not sure sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it's also a, a thing, right, in, in this, where we are in the culture where a lot of people, a lot of guys aren't sure what's really appropriate and what is, you know, because like I said, common sense isn't really common. So it's like, I don't want to end up, you know, crossing the line and someone saying that I'm a, a, an abuser or, you know, something like that, right? Because um, I've had friends, right? I've had girlfriends that have, like, told me things that I'm like, really? I did that? I, I don't remember. Like, I don't even find you that really, like, attractive. Like, I, you know, to be honest, right? Like, I... <laughs> and, what, that they communicated that you maybe came off that you were hitting on them? that I was hitting on them in a way that made them feel uncomfortable. But the thing is, is like, I wasn't attracted to them. So I didn't understand where the, the disconnect but was. You were basically like, oh, I wasn't hitting on them. Yeah. Exactly. So could I, I mean, I, maybe you don't want to give an example because you're afraid someone you know is listening. Could, could you give an example then of something you did that made someone think that? And you were like, wait, I wasn't trying to do that. What's an example? So in the old life, right, when I would go out a lot, I would uh, hang out in this area of Brooklyn where I was pretty acclimated to, to the bars and everyone would know. So if I'm bringing a new person in, I'll be holding her and saying, hey, this is, you know, buddy, whatever, whatever. And they'll give me the whole, like they'll, they'll, one person specifically said, I, it came off like you were trying to be my boyfriend. And- uh, In a person you're doing this. Yeah, like, you know, like I would do with, a guy friend or you know just like hey what's up this is you know whatever and you Hello. know and it was kind of like I, I, okay I don't know and so when you were doing that to the person you genuinely were not no no like if you when were I, just, I, just like this is my friend yeah I'm like a, I'm a very uh tactile person with my relationships I like yeah, no but yeah, yeah but then again I don't want to ever make someone feel uncomfortable right totally. then, again it's like it's i truly believe i i am such a fan of individual communication i feel like when our society no one wants to fucking communicate anymore mm -hmm. you know like even the other day with a friend this isn't romantic i have a friend who i was trying to schedule something with her to like a hang and it was just frustrating to me because we said, for example, we said we'd hang on a Monday. And then here we are Sunday night. It's like 10 p.m. And I'm like annoyed. I'm like, 
She hasn't texted me back. So then I'm thinking, oh, maybe she's kind of like, this is her stuff. Like, because sometimes they say no response me is a response. I'm thinking, oh, maybe she doesn't really want to meet. So maybe I should take her no response as her way of saying she doesn't want to meet. And I'm like, but the, I, I hate that way of thinking. Why can't I just fucking pick up the phone and call her and ask her? Yeah. So I call and ask, but then she doesn't answer it. Because I'm like, Oh God, here. So I was like, how am I even supposed to communicate? She's not answering. So like, <laughs> I sent her a little voice note. I'm just like, call finally we talk, we work it out. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so happy you said something. She's like, I get horrible service where I live. Mm. Um, and she's like, and I just want to let you know, uh, this is a common thing my friends and family have brought up. Most of my friends and family have to put a question mark after their original text. because she. So then I'm like, it was such a relief to hear this. Because here I am thinking it's personal. And then we live in this culture where we're also taught like, oh, I get boundaries, but sometimes they get taken to a point where it's like the boundaries mean don't communicate, you know? Uh, So it's like, I I, I just, like your friend who communicated to you that that made her uncomfortable, God bless her for communicating that. Because now you know. And with another girlfriend, Maybe that is fine with her. And that, you know that. Like, I have guy friends who, because I'm the same. I'm very touchy, feely, whatever. Um, even, like, I mean, I, I could, oh, God, I, that's so funny. Because, like, I don't know what stories I should tell and not because if someone listens to Long story short, I was at an event that I had a date. I brought a date. Mm-hmm. And one of my other guy friends is there who I'm so close with. And I saw him and I jumped up and wrapped my legs around him. <laughs> and then I realized, oh shit, the person I brought is the date. <laughs> probably isn't going to appreciate that. You know what I mean? But I'm like, ah, oh, but like, ge- like genuinely, like this is such a good friend that I could do that with him. And it's not that I, I should be respectful of the guy, you know, but everyone's different. Everyone's different. I was, it's so funny because I was talking to one of my, uh, I have this friend on, uh, we call it mornings with Mel, right? Uh, her name is Mel and she's like married or engaged or whatever. She's like deep in a relationship, but we, um, correspond on Instagram almost every morning. And, um, she put up a meme about, talking uh to other people outside of their relationship and i was like oh wait so are we not doing mornings with mel anymore (laughs) (laughs) and it it just made me think like (laughs) i don't even know her husband like i've never talked to the guy right or her boyfriend whatever um (laughs) like is that the again everyone's so different you know what i mean so you're asking how i personally would feel yeah i don't judge it I, again, I hate this moral high horse shit where anyone can be like, that is not appropriate in a relationship. It's like, no, every person in a relationship. If I was dating you and I was talking to a homegirl every day in the mm-hmm. morning. And like, I've never met her. Never met her, but I'm like in bed, rolled over. Hey, what's <laughs> Again, it, it, inten- <laughs> intention and context matter. So it's like, if you were... If we were in a relationship and we were kind of losing our emotional intimacy and something was on the rocks with us and you were fulfilling that elsewhere and it was a secret and you were like turned on by it and like, and like it was your little uh, secret, like 
form of emotional cheating, yeah. then, then yes, I personally would feel hurt. Mm-hmm. However, there's other people in relationships who wouldn't be hurt. And I quite frankly wish I was more like them because I'd save myself from being hurt a lot. Then on the other hand, if it wasn't that, and it was just someone you genuinely uh, have a fun rapport with that's not, uh, where you have no intentions of pursuing something or it's not a secret I don't thing. send her any heart eyes. I don't send her any heart eyes. So that's... No, no, I mean, well, what are you getting at? What Then what's the intention? I mean, just friends or... We talk about like politics and stuff and... Uh, Black Lives Matter stuff, and it's... Yeah, again, no, then that's fine. Again, I think it's, it's everything's about intention and context. I mean, yeah, if there's no sort of secret... That's the other thing. I think if it's a secret, then it's like there's a reason it's a secret. Yeah. Um, I, I said it's so hard to figure out intention, right? Over the internet. Because, like... If we're in, a, if we're using the hypothetical that you and me are in a relationship, yeah, intention, you would know what your intention is with talking to her. I would know what you would know mine, right? But I, but you as the person, you wouldn't know hers. Only Scorpios would have this card. <laughs> we're, we're, like, we're, we're, like we're literally animal. We are literally like. joyfully analyzing a hypothetical like emotional cheating scenario (laughs) in my free time I've (laughs) (laughs) can I just tell you something so funny so the other day I'm on the phone with my landlord and because there's been a leak in the in the kitchen that's stemming from my upstairs neighbor there's a leak. And so I, I, I've, I've lived here for a while. So I talk, I've talked to the landlord quite a bit, but it's always brief. It's like, where's the plumber? I mean, you know what I mean? Like just, <laughs> that's the extent of our relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> so if we were in a relationship, you wouldn't be jealous of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, he's my conduit to the plumber. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're on the phone and he says to me, he goes, so I really want to, you know, if we really, if, if I come over on Saturday and let's say I go upstairs and we recreate the scene of the crime where the, where the leak happened. And then I went, I have a question. What's your zone? Are you a Scorpio? And he laughed his, and again, the, I've known him for years, but very minimally because he's a landlord. I'm not, friends with him I'm not fucking him you know what I mean but like when he said that I went only a Scorpio would say let's recreate the scene of the crime and get to the bottom of you know and I was like are you a Scorpio he laughed so hard he's like how did you know he was almost afraid that I stalked him like that I knew his social security number or some shit he's like how did you know and I was like Takes one to no one. I was like, I'm a Scorpio, and only a Scorpio would say that. I just think it's <laughs> only so funny. Would map out the emotional for. Look, I, I have two other things to say about the hypothetical thing. Yeah. 
Yes, if I know your intention, mm -hmm. that's all that really matters. If her intention is different, mm -hmm. but look, this is the thing. I was in a relationship at one point where, again, I don't want to have too many specifics because I also want to be respectful, you know, of my any ex's privacy. But like, there was a scenario in which I felt that he was hanging out with this group mm. of girls that he met in it. Like, let's say they were in a yoga class, or I mean, it was like they they met because they would go to this weekly thing together, and. I was starting to feel her because he wasn't inviting me. Like he wasn't including me. Yeah. That's where I got mad. So it's like, there's so, but then again, I understand relationships, independence and autonomy is so important. I'm not saying it's healthy that you each have something separate that you do that you aren't involved in. But if that's as a, a guise to really, emotionally cheat or hang out with these girls whatever that i do get hurt yeah. and again it's like but then i don't know the older i get i'm thinking maybe am i having too wide-eyed or optimistic views of a relationship and maybe i should just be more cool with no. i don't fucking know man i'm like because yep. we are human beings it's a little ridiculous to expect that your partner's never gonna be turned on by someone you know like, like wait is it like a scorpio thing that i do expect that i'm just like yo <laughs> oh i'm serious because there was a point in time with my ex i realized maybe my expectations were too unrealistic like i you know the, to think that he would never be attracted to i mean that's ridiculous to think they're not gonna ever be attracted to someone else or like we're human beings. Of course, you're going to be attracted to other people. Um, I don't know. Just include me in the tech circle and then we're... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just see me on the email, you know? <laughs> I want to ask you, I don't want to take... A you know what? BCC me. I don't even... <laughs> just, uh, I just want to observe your conversation. I just want to track your conversation. So I don't have to hire a private detective, you know? <laughs> Another Scorpio thing. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know it's a Friday night. I appreciate you being here. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about, you spoke about your spirituality a little bit. Um, if, you, if you would, can you share? So I feel like, especially during this COVID time, people are trying to find something to believe in. Um, can you talk a little bit about your pathway to that and um, what it's done for you, but what it, a little bit what, what it's done for you? Sure. When you say my pathway, do you mean like my, my history with spirituality or just like how my pathway, how I get to it in a present moment in time? Well, a little bit of both, right? Because I feel like uh, some people are born into families that are religious and they have, or spiritual rather, and they have that connection, but they might not have a personal connection with it. And mm -hmm. later on in life, they get that personal draw. And then that personal draw is what kind of mm -hmm. it going forward. So I, I don't know, what, what's yours? So yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to preface it by saying, 
I, I'm not trying to convert me, but like, I also, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are atheist, agnostic. I respect anybody's belief system. So I, I also, sometimes I'm hesitant to talk about it because I, I also know a lot of people who don't believe in God. The minute they, then they kind of start judging you and seeing you as like, you know what I mean? It's like, so I, I, I don't know, whatever, but that's who I am. I, I believe in God. So, um, I, I mean, my, I grew up in a very spiritual, not just religious, but spiritual. There's a difference. Family. I did grow up Catholic, but you know, obviously the church is full of man-made, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my mom, for example, found the name Kether in an angel name book. You know what I mean? Like my mom, my mom is very spiritual. So I grew up just around that you know it just and and, and it, i don't even think it was because i grew up around i just think innately i was born innately connecting with a greater power just i just always believed in god yeah. um and then you know i i found it creatively like truly like i i've had experiences when i'm being creative where i feel connected to that source i feel it it's not something i could describe i just know it and i feel it I love and that. then just in my personal life there have been so many divine synchronicities and just things that are not coincidences things that there's just no other explanation other than the fact that there's a God to me. I mean, there's just, there's just no explanation I love for it. a lot of shit that's happened. And, but I'm not going to lie. It's, 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 there's times where I feel it so full throttle and I'm on almost on a fucking high from it, you know, <laughs> where I'm just like, like, oh, the synchronicity, God, blah, 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 you know. And then other days I, I'm not connected to it and I'm not in alignment and I'm a fucking, and I, and I, and then I, I beat myself up for losing faith when I'm like, how could I, of all people who've always believed so strong in God, how, how, like, I almost get mad at myself when I'm losing my faith or doubting. So I, again, with the up and down, I, I'm not a consistent person with anything, but, but it is consistent that I, I know and believe and trust yeah there's a god i love that that is certainly looking out for me i love that and i love that you're so <clears throat> honest with the ups and the downs right because i feel like a lot of people same with the acting same with everything people uh look to celebrities as like this kind of uh level Plateau, like playing like this level thing where they've made it and they figured it all out and they have their thing and I appreciate why I, I have loved talking to you because you've always dealt with me in like a really real way. And it's rare, right? Not to put anyone out there and I won't say names, but I've had interviews with- Say names, Kyle, come on. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know them because the interview got trashed, <laughs> but I've had people- Tell me after, I want to I want know the gossip. No, no. <laughs> no God, God wouldn't want that. God, God doesn't want us to gossip. Please <laughs> send me a, a, a yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we're only human, God. <laughs> I've never, I, I, I've never cracked up this much in an. In <laughs> 
for <laughs> And this is clocked in on the longest interview uh, without editing, of course. Well, I knew it, though. I, I knew we're both talkers. <laughs> I, I had a live with someone. Um, his name is Coach Jay. Shout out to Coach Jay. And he's like a gym guy. He wakes up every morning and does these lives. And he had me on his live one day. And he's like, I wouldn't be jealous if you did a live with him. If we were in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be like, what's up with you and Coach Jay, Kyle? You guys are live in a bit, too. <laughs> right. Don't you want to be live with me? Like, <laughs> I'm live right in front of you. <laughs> I, I would be that boyfriend, I think. I hope not. But I'm not the real live me. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we talked. We had to do two lives. We had to do two back-to-back -back lives. Okay. <laughs> 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 I love to laugh. <laughs> um, you remind me of a couple of my friends. Uh, I just want to shout them out. Amina. Uh, Amina was the second episode that we did. And you guys have such uh, kindred energy. I love both of you guys. Such live. So she, the bar she, she, you met her when she was bartending you? Or there's yeah. someone else? Yeah. Okay. She was, she's. Um, you sent me her episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Amina. Hey. And uh, <laughs> you also remind me of my friend Vera. Vera is actually, um, I have a couple of best friends, but Vera is probably the top three. So okay. Just that even your dogs running back and forth. Aww. We have like a little dog kid together. Aww. But I want to shout out one of your friends that I had a pleasure of uh, meeting. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So Kimmy of, yes. Um, of Sheer Necessities, talk a little bit about how you met her, because Kimmy's such a great person. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Me and Kimmy have a wonderful story. Um, me and her met when we were both 17 years old. Wow. We're both 34 now, so we've known each other for a long time. Hmm. Um, we were both filming, a, we both booked our first pilot ever. Oh, wow. She's also an actress. Um, so, again, like I said, I was auditioning in New York pilot season. This was the first pilot I had ever booked in my entire life. So me and Kimmy met when we were 17, and we filmed the pilot. Mm -hmm. And we, the pilot didn't get picked up, but me and Kimmy just fucking hit it off like two peas in a pod and I moved back to New York I, I that's where I lived and I went to college and she stayed in LA because she was living she was from LA but we just kept in touch like have you ever seen the movie Beaches yeah we were we're like beaches you know what I mean like we just kept in touch over the years and um she got married and I was in a very long-term relationship so anytime I flew to LA we would have little double dates and we'd just see each other. She she flew to New York to film like a Clearasil commercial, you know, clean and clear, um, some sort of commercial. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, we just kept in touch and she had kids. But then, you know, as friends do over the years, we, we lost touch, but never at the heart. We were always connected at the heart, but it, we, we, you know, we were just living different lives and we just, we, we didn't talk as much for many years. 
And then, okay, okay, this is a very good thing actually to talk about God. Uh, <laughs> this is a huge uh, synchronicity. That, that, that it, to me, it's like, if this isn't proof of God, I, I don't know what is. Um, so like I said, we lost touch. Mm-hmm. And a year or two ago, I was asked to be on a podcast called Natch Butte. Mm. Um, where I was asked to talk about my skin care regimen. And I, of course I was like honored to go on it because I'm a huge fan of um, Jackie, the host. And um, and I was honored to go on it, but it, I, I thought it was interesting because I had never been a part of anything where I was talking about my skin care. Like, like I just never done that. So it was, it was new to me. And I kid you not, mm-hmm. the same fucking day Kimmy reaches out to me this is after not talking to her for years mm-hmm. Kimmy reaches out to me we reconnect we make plans to have dinner the next night we sit down she tells me about her god came to her in a dream with a business plan for her skin care for her skin care product I'm in the she said I was in her dream she doesn't know what I'm supposed to do to help the business, but I'm in her dream. And I say, wait a second. I look back at my DMs for the, the other podcast. I'm like, this is so weird. Just yesterday, I was asked to be on a podcast where I'm supposed to talk about my skincare regimen. <laughs> really, I'm supposed to talk about your skin product. So I go on the podcast to talk about her product. She gets so many orders just from that podcast wow so the business for her happened in a very spiritual way like one of my favorite shows is shark tank and i love biz like when an entrepreneur comes on and talks about a business that they weren't trying to make into a business the business just happens out of sheer necessity it happens out of just like necessity yeah that's what happened with kimmy Kimmy was not trying to make a fucking coffee syrup, okay? Like, you know what I mean? She's a working actress. She does other stuff. Mm-hmm. She genuinely made it for herself because she was um, experiencing a really bad eczema. She was just developing a lot of these skin issues that dermatologists were not able to fix. And her grandma had this natural recipe with coffee beans and scrub and essential oils and all these healing things that, that Kimmy put together. She starts putting on the scrub at the, in the steam room at the gym. And the other girls at the gym are like watching her eczema vanish. Week after week, her skin is just getting perfect. And these girls at the gym are like, Kimmy, can I use the scrub you're using? Well, what are you doing? So Kimmy just starts to make the scrub and at home in her kitchen. And she brings it to the gym, gives it to the other girl. All the other girls, their cellulite is going away. Their psoriasis is going away. They're like, they're whatever skin issues anyone's had. Even if someone doesn't have skin issues, it's just making their skin super exfoliated and fresh and soft and and, and, and then someone at the gym is like, you should just make this a business. They're like, do you know how much money you could be making? You're giving this out for free. What are you doing? So she had a dream one night. She said God came to her in a dream with like a very long 
clear business plan and every single one of the things in the dream has come true. She was at the Cannes Film Festival and the Gifting Suite. She was at the Golden Globes. Any sort of big award show with Gifting Suites, she's just synchronistically, without effort, just something happens where someone, she just kind of plopped, is brought there divinely, it seems like. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. And yeah. she the nicest people right because i reached out to her i use it um every, uh not every morning uh but you know maybe three or four times a week and i just love it it's incredible um this is not an ad you put it on your face your body or <laughs> this is not an ad this is not, I, I, it's, not a, it's not a hashtag ad <laughs> i put it i i use it on uh for week I use a full body and then for three days a week I use it uh, on my face. How many days a week on your body? <laughs> now I feel like I'm in QVC. <laughs> I do three days. I do uh, two days on my body because uh, okay. I have other uh, things, uh, regimen, <laughs> things going on. I can't wait for after COVID because the first person I cuddle after COVID is going to get all of this sheerness. <laughs> but I was in like blown away by how effective it was and i was using it for like three weeks or so wait which flavor did you get or did you get all of them i got the uh the next one i'm gonna i'm gonna get a different one next time but i got the coffee peppermint the, I, did i only sent you the peppermint yeah but that's i like that because i i'm cinnamon and now pumpkin cinnamon and pumpkin Mm -hmm. Wait, so cinnamon and pumpkin together, or there's cinnamon? Cinnamon separate pumpkin. <laughs> um, okay, so I gotta try those because I'm a, I'm a really cinnamon is fabulous. I'm a big smell person. Cinnamon and is so oh, I love that. It's like a fucking organ. Well. <laughs> get it <laughs> i'm ordering it right after this <laughs> you know what i love about it um and hopefully uh me, me and kimmy are working out her being on here as well mm -hmm. um so thank you for that actually Kether sent me uh the the sheer necessity product and now i'm definitely going to be a regular which speaks to how great of a friend she is um the best thing about it i will say is i'll like do it before i go out for my morning walk or whatever and people will just be energized when i walk past them because they cause I smell like coffee really? yeah i can <laughs> really and, and it sounds facetious but like i'm being serious they're like because they smell that coffee wow. uh you know what i'm not shocked it's i'm telling you the scrub is magical yeah. there's something kimberly prays over each scrub i love that He's still, so she makes the scrub at home. It's a homemade, very hands-on scrub, but she is, it's, it's therapeutic and meditative for her. She puts the kids in another room, the husband in another room. She's in her own meditative space with music and incense, and she prays and blesses each scrub with energy, with her energy. That's so, and... So I think <clears throat> I wake up every morning, just a little insight to my spirituality. I wake up every morning and I, you know, read and I pray and I do all of that. And um, 
I thought I was like pretty good into it, but <laughs> yo, she's like, we're talking, she's quoting this and quoting that. And she's like, Deuteronomy. And that's the other thing. Oh, listen to this. Oh, talk about God. Mm-hmm. So Kimmy is, that's the other beautiful thing for people listening who um, should be buying the, her scrub. Um, 30% of all of her profits go to charity. 30% of all her profits help foster children and build their futures and give them um, uh, resources for education and housing and wonderful stuff. So, 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 and Kimmy is very old school. She doesn't just send a check or Venmo or whatever to the charity she physically goes to the organization and write hand writes a check and hands it to the the founder of the of the charity and she's old she's hands-on she knows these kids she knows the person who developed the charity it's very hands-on her dream actually is to build her business to the point where she's employing the kids who grow up who need job, who, who, to employ them. So, so listen to this. So she's at the charity, her goal for the month, she really wanted to, um, to give the charity a thousand dollars, but she only had enough to, to give 700. Mm-hmm. Something, wait, is that what the numbers were? Because I, what I, the story I have is very specific in terms of the numbers. Um, Anyway, let's say it was seven hundred and a thousand. She, she, but something tells her, you know what? Even though I only have seven hundred, I'm just gonna write a check for a thousand. I just, I, I just feel like I'm gonna. I, I, I don't care. No joke. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and it is that. That is true. The numbers do add up because. No joke that morning, because mm-hmm. I told Kimmy I would start like investing in her company a little. But my thing is that I'm, I my t- approach right now is I will buy ten scrubs at a time and gift them to friends and family and influencers who have big followings who can promote it. With the belief that I believe so much in the product that I believe whoever I gift it to will like it so much they will be a returning customer. Wow. And or that they will post about it. That, so that's my business strategy right now with her. So I Venmo her $250 for X amount of scrubs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that she's at the charity need lacking 300 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. But I Venmo her 250. She receives it at 11:11. So me and her have a thing with 11:11. Yeah. She texts. I text her, "Hey, Kimmy, confirm you received the Venmo." She sends me a screenshot, and she's like, "I can't believe I received this at 11:11 on the dot." And she said, "And you'll never believe this, Heather. I'm literally at the charity as we speak, and I'm short 300 dollars." You just gave me the 250 I needed. Then, this is how perfect God is. Because you would think, oh, now she's still lacking $50. She needs $50. I, because I'm so inspired by this 11-11 story, whatever, 
Mm -hmm. I'm on the phone with my animation agent a few minutes later to talk about something. Mm -hmm. I tell my animation agent this story because I'm so blown away. My agent goes, you know what? I'm going to buy a scrub. So she buys a scrub for 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. So now that's Mm $9.50. Or wait, no. Mm $9.75. Then within the matter of minute, just in the nick of time when she was handing the woman the check, Mm-hmm. Someone else bought a scrub for twenty five bucks, so it was like it perfectly worked out. All it was just so because God, God is when you're like when God is perfect, like yeah. things just operate in such perfect harmony when God is involved. Yeah, and it's like when you're saying how do you what's your belief when you just know you just know. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. It's just like harmony and perfection. Wow. I love that story. A lot of times I need to hear stories like that because, you know, what we're doing here is a lot of just going out on a limb and not really knowing, but, you know, knowing what we're doing and knowing how to do certain things. But the more we do it, the more God reveals himself and the more, you know, we say, oh, wow, okay, that's why certain things so I want to ask you what will be revealed. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question and let you get on your knife because you're looking all uh what did I say in the in the voice? Boy. Boy. I, I said you look yeah, <laughs> I said uh Kether looks like the epitome of pulchritude. So I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little embarrassed, but whatever. I totally Googled the word because I don't know what it means. <laughs> and I still, they didn't find it. I must have spelled it wrong. The epitome of pulchritude is the ultimate level of beauty. Pulchritude is P U L C R H R. Wait, wait, let me tell you what word I typed in. Oh, I thought you said pulp. Anyway. Okay. It's an ugly What's word. What's the word? Pulchritude. P-L-P-U-L. Uh-huh. C-H-R. P-U-L-C-H. P-U-L-C-H-R. A pulchritude. It's pronounced pulchritude, like Christ. Wait, let me see what they say. Pulchritude. I love it. Does everyone else know this word except me? I I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have a pretty good uh, vocabulary. <laughs> Wait, when the listeners listen, <laughs> when the listeners listen to your, <laughs> when the listeners listen to your episode, do they have like a comment section? I want to hear from the, the listeners. We can. Right? Yeah, we actually do. We can. Actually, maybe I don't want to hear their thoughts. Don't say anything mean, guys. Um, um, it like a name like Gertrude, like Gertrude and Pultrude. <laughs> it's a pretty <laughs> ugly looking word for to have the, the the meaning that it has. Okay. And a pity, okay, well, you know, maximum. Ah, one of the things that comes up is Pultrude a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like poultry, and it's not poultry is not a pretty word either. <laughs> I will say though, in your good love episode, like I told you, I wrote like a whole paragraph about 
I cracked up so hard. <laughs> First of all, in your episode, you have this music that's like like Star Wars or something. It's like, and there's like a beat, like a little drum roll behind it. And it's like, doo -doo -doo -doo. and then it like transitions, like when you go to different sections of the thing. And then I laughed so hard when you're like, let's unpack this. Let, let's unpack. Let's unpack this word. Let's unpack this definition. Like <laughs> you like you're like you're like a surgeon, like a surgeon, like thoroughly going through the word and the definition. I love it. I'm out here. You know, you know why? Because I love I love writing, right? So when I'm writing and I like just seeing just even this interview, right? I'm writing down all this stuff, it fits together like an art piece for me. So sometimes mm -hmm. I'll kind of like, like you said, surgically remove a word and put in another word that <laughs> operates more. I love it. It's, it's, it's my jam. That's what I do at, <laughs> at night when I'm lonely, instead of going out and, and partying, I'll just surgically operate on these words. I'm very curious to hear the, 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 the beat behind our interview. I, I, I can't wait to hear the music that you, that you choose. This will be a beatless interview, unless you want it. If you want, if you want. Oh, you weren't going to put music. No, no. That's only if it's like me talking alone. If I'm not talking alone, I need, I need some, you know, something to, I want to set the mood. Cause when it's just me talking alone, I have the lights down. I light my candle. You get so into it. It's so funny. It's so Scorpioed out. And I'm just like. Yeah, you're like love. It's the willingness yeah. and the desire to exceed or meet the expectation. Let's just unpack that. <laughs> I love like I listen back to it and I'm like, why was I so intense talking about something so like No, I love it. I think it's great. I just I I crack I was cracking up out loud. It was very <laughs> I want to uh cheer those I want I am that person at the party who's like why are you so quiet you should be like tune into my fucking podcast asshole <laughs> yeah like you wanna you wanna hear me talk here's the podcast <laughs> I want to ask one last question and that's where okay so I, I was like why did I bring up poker are you looking at like a bulletin board yeah I wish you could see it Okay, you're like, you're like, let me ask you one. <laughs> I have like all of these, I'll, I'll show you. I have all of these notes. I'm like, I'm a writer. So like I have okay. everywhere. It's like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the beautiful mind. It's like, no. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, thank God Russell Crowe is not in your room. I am very. <laughs> feel safe. That's who, <laughs> we were in a relationship. That would be my side text, Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, as long if it was Jennifer Connelly, I would be jealous. Oh my gosh, I'd such she's hot. Time. What I mean, she is very hot. She's very hot. She I'm I'm he's just not into you. Is that the name of the film? But she's no, that's Carla Johansson, Or maybe she's in that too. She's in um Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. She Oh, beautiful! Yeah, really into eyebrows, and she has some like yeah eyebrows. That's great eyebrows, great eyebrows. I actually going back to Kimmy for one second. I know this is like going for so long, but this is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I promise I have one last question. But one of the unintended things of um, 
sheer necessity is it hel- is helping my hair grow better. So my facial hair. Really? That is huge because a lot of guys have like patchy, they, they don't grow out full beards because they, they, they're, they have sections that don't grow in. Yeah, mine has grown. And at the beginning of COVID, wow. it wasn't growing as because I wasn't manicuring it enough and I wasn't going to the barbershop. You have to tell, she has to, because she has testimonies of different things it's done for different people. I'm going to put up a testimony. That is an entire, because guys, it's, let's not have this narrative that skin products are only for women. Oh, guys no. benefit from this too. It might be because I know a lot of like entertainer people, but, uh, or entertainer striving people, but more of the guys that I know use skin products than the ladies, which is weird to say. Mm-hmm. Shout out to, shout out to Henry using all that product. It's like a, Anyway, um, the last question is, and we ask everyone on the podcast, we say that purpose is never personal. That's our thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm. Right? Um, so taking you out of the equation, right, um, what is Heather Donahue's purpose? Mm. I love when you say the purpose is not personal. It's so good because it it makes so much sense it's like because look like i said with being honest about my ups and downs Mm -hmm. it's so odd to me because i always thought when i was younger oh duh my purpose is to be an actor like of course that's my purpose right but then later in life as i experienced depression and just mental health stuff and i started to lose my sense of purpose or drive i got confused because i'm like wait i'm so confused i but i'm a working actor this is what i wanted my whole life how could how could i sit here and not understand my purpose what, what's going on what's wrong with me and then i realized it's not enough to just say oh i'm an act i'm a working actor therefore i have a purpose what i've come to realize and look again i'm into fluidity i i arrest my right to change for this to change at any time. Mm-hmm. But I, when I find the most divine connection in my work and the most joy in my work, it's when I feel that my work is an expression of my compassion. Yeah. So when you say your purpose isn't personal, by definition, that implies that there's a greater good. Anything you are doing is for something greater than yourself. And so, for example, and you're the worst when we had that depression storyline. Mm-hmm. And social media can be really horrible at times, but that was one of the times I loved social media because people would reach out to us, the actors, and be like, thank you so much for shedding a light on depression. I've been struggling with depression and I'm so ashamed by it. And it was so wonderful to just see that story being told on TV. And that for me, I feel like, oh, wow, like how wonderful. That's that's the stuff. Not to say that every job I do has to have some life-changing event for somebody, but like it makes it better when it does, you know? I mean, uh, so yeah, for me, it's, it's when I feel that there's an expression of a compassion 
that's what I feel my purpose is, at least right now. I could change at any moment. Um, but that's what I mean. I like that. That feels right to me. I love that. I, I like that you said it, it's about the greater good. Because I never connected that. Now, I could, now I'm going to steal it from you. I'll, uh, I'll still. I feel like you have all, I mean, your whole thing is called good and you say purpose isn't personal. So what about that is new to you then? Because that seems like you already were ta speaking about that. I'll tell you what, I stay away from the word great. Like it is a plague. I've had to like explain, I've had so many people ask me, why don't you call it great? Why are you wearing good? Why don't you? Why don't you wear great? And I had to. I didn't come up with it just because of that, but God revealed, you know, that. And this is another model that we have. Uh, every moment won't be the best moment. Every moment won't be a struggle. But if you get the lesson in it, and if you're finding your purpose, every moment will be good. So that's what we're dealing with. But. I never, I have been avoiding the word great, like it is whatever, right? Like I- Is it because it's in that perfectionisty category, like you're striving for some competitiveness or something? Yeah, because it, it, if we, if everything is great, then there's no room to grow, right? If well, yeah, that's like great is different than saying greater good, you yeah. know, like- Good, exactly. Oh, the greater good. It's not the greater great. Exactly. It's the greater good. Exactly. And it's, it's what I always tell people is you never know what things can lead to, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so this is a podcast now, right? But this, just in the couple of weeks that, uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been transforming into something more. Um, like I'm, I'm on live every morning and I'm like talking to people and helping people out. So it's transmogrifying into something that is much deeper and for the greater good. Right. Mm. So I, like you said, you never want to box yourself in to one thing. And I, and I love that you have that purpose. I love that you're walking in your purpose and walking in your light because you're definitely, um, just from your personality to your voice. <laughs> to how real you are to, you know, just a great person overall. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Any, when are we going to uh, be able to buy this pottery? That's the question. <laughs> I wasn't planning on selling it. I like giving, um, making something and giving it as a gift. Like, so I've only made one piece in my life and I gave it to my mom. I made her a little teacup. I'm working on and another piece now for a very special friend, and I don't want to say who because that person might listen to this. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think I'm ever gonna sell it. I, I think I like to just give, give it away as little gifts. Got you. Well, Kether, thank you so much for being here. I thank you for having me. This is so lovely. This is great. I literally, this is probably the most fun I've ever had on an interview so far. Aww. Well, I, I, I had a blast. So anytime, let's, anytime. Next time you're in New York, let's get a, let's get you some real pizza and none of that LA pizza. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, I love artichoke. Yes. Oh my gosh. The night.
could have a whole conversation on the nights around artichoke. Oh God, yeah. But thank you so much. Um, what what are you doing for your set and for your Friday night? Gonna say what something. am I doing? What are you gonna do after the show? Honestly, I I need to call my mom. Yeah. I've been uh, my mom still lives in New York, and um, I have not been the best at like. Uh, I was really just. Uh, my thing tonight, I was like, I need to call my mom and have a long, nice talk with her and just give her love and attention and just, um, just, you know, I, 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 I'm not the best sometimes with keeping in touch with family and, you know, cause you take it for granted. Oh, they're your family there. You know, I, I, and I don't want to do that. I really made it a point tonight that I was like, I really need to call my mom and just talk to her. I love that. Well, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Good people. What else is there to say? We love her. I love her. Aww. Till next time. See ya. Well, okay. no, y'all stay put. Kathy, you stay put for a second. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go on from here. Gossip to me about everything you couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good people. I'll talk to you in a second. Peace. Bye, good people. <laughs> Guys, so uh, in addition to starting a petition uh, to introduce an official koi emoji, I think it is necessary for us to start a petition for Kether to have her own app where people are just people just have access to her voice whenever they need it. Because I feel I don't know about you, but I feel like I feel like an amazing summer day not too warm not too cool like that's just how her voice makes me feel um <laughs> that just might be me but if you have um if you have not checked out you're the worst where have you been please go check it out it's an amazing uh body of work go check out all of her work she's such an incredible actress such a talented uh voiceover artist and just an amazing spirit right so you know, I, I want to say this before we go, right? Life as it comes to us. We are all a piece of pottery being guided, shaped, and molded. And sometimes what may seem like a dent is actually a very purposed part of the pottery. Sometimes what may seem like a nick or may seem like a misshape ends up being a vital part in the aesthetic of the piece. Sometimes what we go through may seem like it is going to take us out or ruin our path or ruin our journey or uh, uh, disillusion us, but our flaws are our flavor. It's up to us to capitalize on them. It's up to us to maximize uh, our moments and our time. Even the times that we go through that aren't the best. It's up to us to become full pottery. I love you guys so much. I thank you. I love Ketha for being on the show. Um, having a conversation with me. Come on, guys, let's say it. Think good. See good. 
do good, and most importantly, you better be good. Peace. Good people, don't forget to follow Finding Good Times at Finding Good Times on all platforms, at Finding Good Times on all available platforms, and of course, FindingGoodTimes.com. Keep following, keep sharing, keep reposting. Most importantly, keep being good. Love y'all.